This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome in to another edition of Bragging Rights, hopefully our last one to be done from quarantine. Uh, so we apologize for the past uh, week, week and a half-ish of audio issues. Try my best to clean it up, but uh, thanks for bearing with us. It's uh, 2020's weird, y'all, and uh, our in-person podcasts uh, have become uh, victim to the circumstances of 2020. But like I said, hopefully all is well and we will be back in person and top-notch audio from here on out, or at least with the last couple weeks of the season left. Uh, I can't believe, Pierce, that it is December and we are still in the throes of talking about college football. But here we are, nonetheless. Let's break down the Week 14 action. Before we jump into it, I need to introduce my co-host. My name is Madison, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? Doing well. I'm doing well. I'm out of my wit's end of uh, remaining in, in one or two rooms for for days on end, so... Uh, if I sound a little stir crazy, it's for good reason. But you know, looking forward to to this upcoming week. Uh, so uh, as we both hit on uh, in our talks leading up to to recording, it was kind of a, kind of a dull week. Uh, um, this past week in college football. So you know, I, it's crazy that the the highlight game would have been BYU Coastal, and and it turned out to be the best game of the weekend, bar none. So. Looking forward to this week, looking forward to, uh, to recapping this past week, and then quickly moving ahead to uh, what I hope will be a slightly better weekend. By better, I mean uh, maybe a couple better games, more high-profile games, and and more than anything, uh, maybe some some upsets or some some craziness happening. Yeah, but, hopefully, um, hopefully yeah, yeah, not too to, much ready falls. Ready to do a recap. Hopefully not too much falls down to, uh, you know, COVID. We already have a couple of cancellations here sitting on Tuesday night. The game, the game uh, is canceled already, that being um, Ohio State and Michigan. Uh, you know, we, we know it's Georgia fans having that rug pulled up from underneath you when you think you're going to play a game and it gets postponed and or canceled. That's no fun. So hopefully we are able to uh, to mitigate most of that. I don't have a ton of hope in that situation, but we shall see. Uh, let's break it down, Pierce. Let's start off with our goods, our bads, and our downright uglies. Uh, my good Pierce, you already hit on it. The Coastal Carolina BYU game. It was the game of the week, a game we didn't even know we were going to have. Uh, but, you know, if you had told me at the beginning of the season, hey, December 5th, you're going to be sitting in front of your TV locked in on number 13 ranked BYU and number 18 ranked Coastal Carolina, I'd have said, you're crazy. That's ridiculous. That's never going to happen. But I was. It was the game of the week, like you said. It lived up to its billing. It comes down to, um, you know, uh, just down to the wire. There was a lot of uh, hateful energy between the two, the Mormons and the mullets. And uh, it was. It lived up to its billing. It's something that I hope to see more often. I. It's. It's unfortunate that we have to have canceled games, but uh, luckily for us, the ability to have fluidity uh, was awesome. These two teams able to pull it together within, uh, you know, a few days and get things on the schedule. Uh, I love to see that kind of thing. It kind of makes me wish that we could have more fluidity in schedules 
yearly because how often do we look five, ten years ahead and we go, hey, that's awesome. Georgia has a home-and-home versus Florida State or Oklahoma or Notre Dame's going to be hosting uh, Penn State or I don't know. You just can list off these big-name schools. But a lot has to go right within that decade in order for it to be a top-billing matchup by the time the two meet. So I wish we could have some more fluidity because everybody wins when that's the case. Uh, You know, it's fun to have stuff to look forward to. And I understand for TV contracts and, you know, planning purposes and everything like that, you want to have a little bit of time to be built up. But it's certainly more fun when you can get two ranked teams saying, hey, let's just meet. We might as well. We need to put together a little bit of a playoff resume. You want you want to come here? Let's put on the teal turf. Let's do it. And, uh, you know, it lived up to its billing. Like, uh, like I said, that's my good of the week. What about you? My good of the week is the Iowa State Cyclones. I mean, this was a game I really thought that they might have some trouble with. Uh, you know, West Virginia tends to stand up to, to certain teams with their funky style of play. And Iowa State, it was just a workmanlike performance from them. They really uh, they really played well on the defensive side of the ball, limited uh, West Virginia on the ground, um, and, and really that limited what Daigie could do through the air. And it was a very workmanlike performance on the opposite side of the ball, almost even split from off from rushing yards with 236 to passing 247. Um, really just a dominant performance by them and, and good for them. Uh, I think it's the first time in, in nearly like a hundred years or something like that. Uh, maybe it's, it's the first time in a long time. I'm not going to throw out a, an actual year uh, date. I just know it's, it's been decades since Iowa state has, uh, clinched a, 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 a big 12 title, uh, shot. Um, so we'll see. I certainly, certainly think they're the favorites going into that game against Oklahoma. So I, Iowa State needed to do what they uh, needed to do what they needed to do to get in, and they did, and they took care of business. So my good is the Cyclones of Iowa State. My bad performance of the week, Pierce, is the teams that are seemingly packing it in due to COVID. I I understand that COVID is a real thing, and I believe that we should, uh, you know, put the health of the student athletes first and all of that goody stuff you want to talk about. But it's very suspect to me that some teams are having outbreaks and some teams haven't had any the entire season uh is there a little bit of a you know coincidence that some of these teams that are having outbreaks are the ones that aren't doing well you can blame that potentially on some of the student athletes being a little bit more relaxed with things i'm not saying i'm not a conspiracy person i'm not saying that michigan is uh you know quote unquote opting out of their game with ohio state but maybe they have been super relaxed with making sure the student athletes are doing what they need to do and that the the facilities are doing what they need to do uh you know it's it's very interesting to me that they are some of these teams that might have a reason to not want to play these games are having outbreaks Vanderbilt being another one as well uh you know with all of the PR stuff going around Sarah Fuller and then all of a sudden they have a major COVID outbreak and can't play Georgia um so you know Ole Miss is another team that's seemingly having some issues so I don't know I want to give everybody the benefit of the doubt but it's it's really interesting the way it's happening and I hate it for the viewer standpoint I hate it for the student-athlete mainly, too. It sucks for the viewer to not have some of these big marquee games that we were looking forward to, uh, You know, even though I don't think Ohio State and Michigan would be close this year, but it is a game you look forward to. It would be like the Iron Bowl. If it was canceled, that would suck. Um, but I really hate it for the student-athletes, especially the ones that are doing everything they need to do. It stinks for Ohio State, who haven't had uh, – they've had a little bit of issues, but they haven't had uh, you know games upon games canceled from their, input, or their standpoint. Uh, and I hate it for these student-athletes who have signed 
signed on to come in and play and try to get showcased to try to move up to the next level. And if there is anybody playing games with that, uh, I, I really think that they need to take a deep look at the side of that because it's not about us, the viewers. It's not about the administration. It's not about the school. It's about the student-athletes. So I, I really – I hate that, that there's some students who now are not going to – some athletes uh, who are not going to be able to uh, take place in some of these games and, and showcase maybe might be their last you know chance to play at their home stadiums and, and, and get seen and, and potentially move on to the next level. So that really stinks, and I hate it from, from all standpoints. And so I hope that no teams are packing it in, but I feel like it's uh, – you know, if I've, if I've got to play conspiracy theorists, it's not a good look. Speaking of uh, teams packing it in, my bat of the week is a team that, that showed up for the game but decided to uh, pack it in on the field, and that was the Wisconsin Badgers. Uh, you know, since they lost Northwestern, it, it's pretty clear this week that they, they really didn't have a desire to play this game. They, their season was cut short, unfortunately, by COVID. They, they lost some of that momentum that they might have had coming off that first win, uh, and, and a lot of people were high on them, and that just uh, it's clearly, clearly – uh, uh, that first game was um, a little bit of false advertising for to, to jump on the Wisconsin bandwagon. They have struggled the last two games, and they've packed it in. Uh, it was very evident in their game against Indiana how you let a team who only scores or only gains 217 yards of total offense to win the game. Um, it, it's just beyond me. So my my bad of the week is easily the Wisconsin Badgers who have uh, have uh, like you said packed up and uh, essentially gone home. All right, last but not least, Pierce, my ugly performance of the week. It's the LSU Tigers. Now, I want to go ahead and say this from the outset. It's also the fact that a really good performance by Alabama, the fact that they were able to go in and just absolutely dominate. Uh, very big revenge spot for them, obviously. Everybody remembers uh, Coach O last year saying the roll tide, what, F you. Uh, you know, the revenge spot right there. They have Nick Saban back. Mac Jones was stellar. Devontae Smith, hey, everybody was really nervous when Jalen Waddle got hurt. They thought to themselves, oh my gosh, you know, he's going to have less threats. And that's just not the case. Devontae Smith uh, looks like probably the best field, or the best player in college football right now. The, the, the separation he's able to get, the catches he's able to, uh, to, to make are unreal. Uh, Najee Harris looks really good as well. You know, all, all the way from top to bottom, things are really good with Alabama. But the ugly of this really comes into the fact that LSU is now starting to have some issues with players transferring. Uh, we've gotten news now about two two players who we have reason to believe might have an interest to potentially go to Georgia. So it's obviously really on our radar, uh, you know, being entered in the transfer portal or wanting to get entered into the transfer portal. And, and then all from top to bottom, it's just not good. They have had some, you know, issues with boosters stealing money from hospitals and then they have an ongoing, uh, you know, sexual uh, allegations going on or sexual assault allegations going on uh, throughout the entire institution. And so it's just a really ugly look right now. And I think that this is going to be indicative of how the next potentially decade is going to go for LSU peers. I just think when you have an institutional situation like they've got going on from top to bottom, there's obviously a lot of cooks in the kitchen, a lot of fingers that are being poking in places that they probably shouldn't have been. And I think that LSU is about to have a hard decade. You got your, you got your national championship that's awesome and you you rode you you had a stellar phenomenal season but you know it's kind of like the old age old age adage if you could sell your soul to the devil and have one national championship would you do it or do you want to have sustained success over periods of time and not have a national championship you got it you got your national championship we'll see what the next decade looks for you uh but nonetheless really bad performance for them here alabama continues to roll and i think looks like the best team in the nation my ugly of the week is pretty clear to me. It is the Oregon Ducks. I mean, you come off a game last week where you lose to your rivals uh, in the, in what used to be dubbed the Civil War, um, and 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 
in a game that you're not used to losing, expected a motivating effort coming off that loss against a team that you're definitely superior than, and you come out flat and you lose to Cal, the Cal Golden Bears. I mean, unacceptable from the Oregon Ducks. They continue to shoot themselves in the foot. It's it's the turnovers that are really killing them. They had a turnover on the goal line late in the game that did them in, and and, and they, they just can't stop shooting themselves in the foot. Um, you know, dominated from a uh, from a total yards standpoint in this one, but again, man, I mean, it's the it's the turnovers and the penalties and and just the the mistakes that are really really messing with the Oregon Ducks right now. And they have to clean that up, and uh, I don't know where they go from here. I mean, you clean that up, you expect to win most of these games, Jordan, that are close, but at the same time, I mean, they they don't have some of the players on the offensive side of the ball that they've had in the past. So this might be a, a team that really kind of may pack it in and, and look for next next year or two. But it's not going well in Eugene. We'll see if they can get back on the schneid this upcoming week. But it, it, this may be a, a team that just packs it in and gets ready for 2021. Yeah, uh, certainly. And we'll get into that as our recap rolls on. And let's jump right in here to our top 10 games of the week. These are the games that we picked uh, last week. We previewed them, picked them against the spread. I don't know if you did calculations. We've been really bad about telling you what we finished this year or this, uh, you know, each week at. Um, I don't think I did great to the best top of my head. I didn't do, I didn't have a good gambling day. We both did poor. Uh, You you went four for six and. I didn't do any better. I went two for eight. It was uh, a lot of the it was the Pac-12 games that really got us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, hey, out west is is having a weird year, and, and I'm not paying a lot of attention to it. I don't. I'm not giving nearly as much to Pac-12 football as I normally do, and and so I'm not ready to make those picks, unfortunately. So, hey, you do what you can. I had a great, I had a phenomenal day in the NFL uh, until uh, last night, the Monday night games. That was I, I picked both of those wrong, but uh, my Sunday was phenomenal. My Saturday. Not not good, not good. So, you know, hey, what you gonna do? All right. Uh, well, let's talk about the first game here. Pierce is a as a team that you pay a lot of attention to, uh, and that would be the TCU Horn Frogs taking down the number fifteen Oklahoma State Cowboys. Twenty nine to twenty two is the final. There uh, didn't watch a ton of this one, Pierce. I was I was clued in more on Texas A and M and Auburn. But if I'm looking at the box score right now, it looks like TCU did everything they could to potentially hand this one away. Five fumbles and an interception from Max Duggan. Now Oklahoma State did have their uh, one interception well as well on their end. Um, um, but really sloppy there from the Horn Frogs, but uh, they were able to get it done uh, on the ground, namely 236 yards on the ground, 263 through the air, held Oklahoma State uh, to uh, got enough done, I should say, to to get it done there at home in Fort Worth. So uh, this being your uh, alma mater, take me through what happened here. Five fumbles. Wow. Yeah, only four of those were lost, though. They did recover one. Um, well, still, but you give me four fumbles, and I'm, I'm thinking that the other team won. Well, yeah, and you look at it, one of those was returned for a touchdown, um, the first touchdown of the game. So you got to give credit to the defense uh, of the Horned Frogs. That's really uh, where this game was won. Um, the, the defense really carried the team. They, they had a little bit of a bend, but don't break. You know, they gave up points. Spencer Sanders did throw for, for a good number of yards, and they did uh, tally 148 rushing yards. Uh, but at the end of the day, they, they struggled to put the ball in the end zone, and that's what won the T.C. Horn Frogs the game. You know, Duggan did enough. Their their run game, uh, when they have their run game going, it's a little easier for Duggan. He's not much of a drop-back passer, but when you're able, he's he's able to get some things going on the ground and open some things up. They're, they're starting to implement um, Zach Evans and, and really starting to get some of their other running backs uh, going. 
Um, and they have the last couple of weeks. I think they've been able to feed off that. Barlow had 40. Uh, Duggan went for 104, which is huge. A um, little bit of an outlier there. And a crazy ending to the game. TCU did try to give it away uh, after and make, get, having a pick in the end zone uh, against Oklahoma State uh, in the goal on the red zone, uh, or in the red zone, I should say. Uh, Duggan gave it right back on a fumble in the first play. And then they held strong again. It was a crazy ending, but the Horned Frogs did enough to, to get this victory. I didn't think they would pull this one out. I didn't think this is a, this is not typically a great matchup for them, uh, but they did everything they needed to. So so kudos to the Horned Frogs. And it was a wild, wild game. Yeah. Well, another uh, not wild, but another playoff or playoff <laughs> turnover prone team was the Michigan State Spartans. They were going to need everything to go right at home as they hosted the number four Ohio State Buckeyes. Uh, now, one thing that they did have going for them is no Ryan Day on the sidelines, but that was no problem for the Buckeyes. They end up scoring 52 points to take down the Spartans, 52-12. to 12. That's the kind of win, Pierce, you're going to need if you are going to make the playoffs, especially with a limited uh, resume. Uh, as uh, I already said, the game, the game is not happening. 521 yards of offense for the Buckeyes. They look pretty good here in this game, like I already said. Uh, Justin Fields had two touchdowns through the air and two on the ground, I believe. Uh, really awesome uh, weekend for him, putting up some great numbers. And, and Michigan State, we, we like I said, they were gonna need to need, everything was going to need to go well for them, and they had four turnovers. That certainly does not help. Buckeyes uh, continue to roll 52-12. to 12. Yeah, I think this uh, what 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 stands out to me in this game. I think Ryan Day and company know that this team doesn't have the thoroughbred at the running back position like J.K. Dobbins last year. That that game changer, and and they need to get Justin Fields a little bit more involved on the ground, and that that's going to open things up through the air. And and that simply was the case here. Trey Sermon tallied 112, which is uh, much needed. They've got to have a running back to to to, to get 100 plus each game especially going to these games uh, with Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, potentially here in a few weeks. But then Fields tallies 104. That, that, that's just big time for them. Um, it really adds another dimension to their team. And like you said, Michigan State just lacks lacks uh, explosiveness on the offensive side of the ball. They're, they're kind of a they, – they tend to manufacture uh, their points. They're not going to go out there and put up 30, 30 in any given game. Uh, they they really rely on ball control and, and scoring you know 21 24 points and trying to hold you out of their end zone and and that's not going to work against uh, the Buckeyes with this talent that they have. Uh, give it to give it to the Buckeyes. They needed a, a good win like this. We'll see what they do this week. Uh, a lot of public outcry to to get them to schedule the A and M uh, Aggies, which would be interesting. Sick. Uh, I hope be, that, that happens. Be, I know it would be a very fun game. That's which a playoff game. Make, that is a playoff game. Well, you know what it does? I, I saw people arguing uh, uh, on social media that this is uh, essentially a, a, a play-in game. Exactly. Um, and, and it's kind of like if you were a Cincinnati, Cincinnati ought to go out there and try to, and try to schedule, you know, maybe Florida or someone like that uh, to get – and then that would de facto make this a 16 playoff, which would be kind of cool. Uh, but we'll see because, remember, Nebraska tried to do this back – I think it was week two mm-hmm. of their season – and the Big Ten shut it down and said, that's, we, we will not allow that. So Yeah, but that's Nebraska that, versus the crowd. I know, jewel. exactly, exactly. But it will be fun to see. I, I hope we get it, certainly for uh, college football sake. It would be a lot of fun. I hope something happens. I hope they're able to, to strike a deal. Uh, but here's the difference, Pierce, is I get it, and I, I'd be pissed if I was a Husker, but here's the difference. The big difference is the fact that now Ohio State is under that six-game threshold to, make the, to technically make the uh, Big Ten championship game, which – 
in a year like 2020, the whole reason the Big Ten even folded and is having a season is because of the Ohio State potentially making the playoffs. So, you know, if, if I think if you're uh, Kevin Warren and if you're the AD of Ohio State, you're called the playoff committee and you're going, hey, like, how bad does this actually hurt Ohio State's chances? Are we just going to say, hey, you played five games, but they were five good games and we're going to let you in? Or, no, we really need you to have that sixth game to make that threshold. So it's I'm very fascinated. 2020 has proven to be a very interesting year for the politics of this sport. I'll put it that way. Uh, all right, let's head down to Missouri. The Tigers were welcoming in the Arkansas Razorbacks. A bit of a homecoming for Barry Odom. 50-48, to 48, a shootout there in Como. Uh, Arkansas had a heartbreaking, heartbreaking loss for them. They were down 14 points in the fourth quarter. They end up going up 48 to 47. They miss the two-point conversion, but with 43 seconds left, uh, or Missouri rather, flew down the field and they nailed a 32-yard field goal. Harrison Mavis, Mavis, I don't know if I'm saying that right. Uh, he is the hero for the Tigers, 50 to 48. Like I said, uh, hey Pierce, put some respect on Larry Roundtree's name. I don't know, is he a junior or is he a senior? Do you know? Uh, that's a good question. Let me check real quick. Okay. Well, he's having a fantastic uh, season. He's got another fantastic game here on his resume. 27 carries, 185 yards, three touchdowns for Larry Roundtree. Uh, he is somebody who, I, I you know, he's not going to get a ton of fanfare around him because he plays for Missouri. But if he played for, you know, any any of the schools that were more on a national prominent prominence, uh, you know, he's getting, I, I, would, I would say he's getting some playoff hype. Or not playoff, Heisman hype. Uh, you know, he's, he's a good back for them. I, I don't know how old he is. I'm going to go with, he's, I don't, I would say he's, all right, so he's a senior. So he is, he's done after this year, which stinks. Unless he decides to come back extra year of eligibility. I don't know why he would though. Um, but that being said, you know, he's, he's somebody who would have been really fun to watch next year, uh, with Eli Drinkwitz's, uh, offense rolling. Uh, so Missouri gets it done at 50 to 48 spoils Barry Odom's homecoming. Arkansas still, uh, you know, still able to have, some silver linings there. They're, they've got a a lot of silver linings. Unfortunately, the three and six record doesn't necessarily have a ton to show for it. But uh, KJ Jefferson stepped up without Felipe Franks. Obviously, he's injured. Two hundred seventy-four yards, three touchdowns. Good for him. Uh, and 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 just not a lot to say other than just a fun one there in Como. Yeah, not many people were watching this unless you uh, decide to turn off the TCU game or um, the Ohio State game. This was quietly one of the more exciting games if not the most exciting game of the day uh both teams going back and forth it was interesting arkansas really didn't have i didn't think they had any reason to be in the game late missouri really really stepped on the the gas pedal and and took control of this game and and then kj jefferson shout out to him Uh, it seems like uh, you know I, i think felipe franks was planning on coming back and is planning on coming back but at this point how can you let him come back with kj jefferson waiting in the wing i mean he seemingly has been ready to play um, based off his performance. So uh, they could have something down there uh, in Fayetteville with K.J. Jefferson. And, and it's funny, there were about five guys on this uh, on both teams here, um, five, five guys total that I had trouble putting not putting on the braggers list this week. That's how statistically crazy uh, a lot of guys went on the field. Basilak obviously continues to, to improve and get better as a quarterback, and that's only going to help out Eli Drinkwitz in this offense. And then, uh, you know, shout out to a couple other guys on the Arkansas. You got two, the two Traylons, uh, the running back and the, and the receiver. We'll get to them a little bit later. But uh, offense galore here, and what I, I did, I was surprised to see how offensive this game was. I thought it'd be uh, in the 20s, especially with Barry Odom coming back for, for revenge. But 
not to be and, and, and surprised that Arkansas was able to hold up in a shootout. So uh, excited for the prospects of both these teams. I think these two, uh, two teams certainly have to feel pretty good going into next year. Hey, one game you didn't listen, list in the early slate, which is what I was glued to, was the number five Texas A&M Aggies and the Auburn Tigers. Uh, this one was down to the wire, honestly. It came down to the fourth quarter, then Texas A&M scores 17 unanswered to win this game. But other, before that, it felt like Auburn Jesus. Bo Nix had a couple of scrambles where you were like, certainly he's going to be down, and then he turns it into you know big big runs and or touchdowns. Uh, he actually had a, a, a decent game for how he's been playing um but texas a&m offensively like i said 17 points in the final quarter to get it done isaiah spiller another person you need to put some name put some respect on his name 20 carries 120 yards his fifth game for over 100 yards uh i believe in six games five five six games can't remember exactly uh but texas a&m doing everything they can to show the playoff committee that we potentially have a shot here to make it Obviously, they're going to need some things to, to go their favor uh, in order to make it, but they continue to roll, and uh, if, if they can pull something off and potentially get Ohio State to come to town and or go up to Columbus, oh, I kind of like their chances, Pierce. Interesting that you do. I, I don't because I don't believe in Kellen Mond. You've been saying it all year. You know, the, 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 Here's the interesting thing about this team, and, and I, I struggle with where I place this team, in, in whether they're in or out of the playoffs. I don't think they pass the eye test to me. They just don't. I don't think they can rely on Kellen Mond uh, in in a big, tight, big game uh, atmosphere. Uh, especially, you know, the Alabama game is is example number one. Um, that being said, this this team kind of reminds me of the traditional SEC type of team. Yes, they might play in a little bit more of a spread type of system. But when this team knows that they can beat a team simply by running the ball, they're going to be physical with you and, and, and just run it down your throats. And you got to respect that. And that's always something tough. And against these teams like an Auburn who, who aren't going to be as uh, up to, to par with your talent, you can do that to teams. You can just kind of play bully ball. And that's what they did. And, and give them credit for that. Uh, Auburn is not an easy place to go, even if they're only 25%, uh, if the stands are only 25% filled. Um they came in and, and, and just did what they needed to do. It was a weird game uh, all around. Some weird things did happen, but they didn't really bounce in Auburn's favor. So kudos to a and I don't know if I like their chances against uh, Ohio State, but you never know. I think the, the, it's two teams that I'm still I'm up in the air about. I don't think either are, are playoff caliber, but if they were to play, that's, that's the perfect situation for both of them. Uh, when in, you're in. Yeah, exactly. Uh, well, let's talk about the other team in the Big Ten who's having a good season. It's number 12, Indiana Hoosiers, taking down the Wisconsin Badgers 14-6. to Michael Penix Jr. obviously was out this game. He is out for the season, I believe, with an ACL tear was the final diagnosis there. Uh, Jack Tuttle comes in, makes his first start, 130 yards and a pair of touchdowns through the air for the Hoosiers, uh, the only two touchdowns of the game. Not a lot of offense in this one, Pierce. Not a lot, but the Indiana Hoosiers defense looked really good uh they were able to hold I'm trying to see here what the final box score was uh let's see here 342 thank you they held uh Wisconsin who you know prior to this not prior to this game necessarily but in the beginning of this season everybody was like Graham Mertz is going to be phenomenal blah, blah, blah all this stuff and they hold uh Wisconsin get it done 
uh, had a couple of turnovers uh, that they forced from Wisconsin as well. And despite not having the ball that much, Pierce IU just absolutely suffocated. Wisconsin was able to really limit their scoring. So uh, really good for the Hoosiers. And here's the thing that I love most about Indiana. Uh, I don't know if you caught the clip of Tom Allen as he was giving his uh, post-game interview there on the field. And as the players are running off, you can tell they just have a lot of love for that man in that program. They were all just just hooping and hollering and giving him hugs and high fives and he was loving it and it wasn't you know it's the opposite of what you see with a, a team like Alabama now granted those are the dynasties but but they're having a great season and these this team is bought in and the players are having fun and it's fun to watch a team that's having fun and it's not just like a well old machine that comes out and it's a business trip it, it was really fun to watch that moment and if you didn't catch that go back and watch it because because you gotta love good things for Tom Allen and you know whether this is a stepping stone for him or whether he's in it for the long haul I really like him and I'm rooting for him yeah this was uh this is one of those games if you're a true college football fan you just kind of smile when you uh when you turn this game on and, and see the score this was a true big 10 football just ugly not not much pretty uh, a, a lot of good defense uh, maybe a little you know maybe a, a little bit on the ground but not much through the air type of game uh, and and it lived up to that big 10 old school 11 o'clock type of uh feel it wasn't pretty. It wasn't pretty. Uh, the Indiana quite simply did what they needed to do. Uh, Tuttle came in and just made sure not to, t- to turn the ball over, make put them behind the eight ball, and then just let their defense uh, play and, and do their thing. Surprised, quite frankly. I thought if you had told me Indiana only gets to 14 points offensively, I would have told you Wisconsin wins by double digits. But clearly, uh, clearly they – they they want they are clearly done with this season. I think they're uh, pretty bummed out that about the three week postponement um, to start the season after their first game. Where you know who knows maybe they could have uh, could have gotten some things going. And and they know they have no postseason aspirations here outside of maybe a, a, a just random bowl game. So well, they clearly have packed it in. And, and Indiana on the other hand is really fighting for for all that they have to look forward to at the end of the season potentially a Rose Bowl bid. Um, yeah, I know it's going to be in South Carolina as opposed to uh, to out in California. But regardless, that's a big accomplishment for Indiana. So they have goals to fight for. It's clearly one team that is kind of fed up and done with the season and one team who has a lot to play for. So kudos to Indiana and what was a very ugly game. 31-19, to 19, Pierce, the final score there in Knoxville. The number six Florida Gators, the winners in that one. Uh, it's the first time that the Vols have lost six games straight since 1988. Woo! Woof, woof. Uh, that's all I got to say about that. Uh, I mean, I got to think that Jeremy Pruitt's time is nearing a close here in Knoxville, but I would have thought we would have seen an announcement relatively soon if that was the case. But that's not really the story here. The story is the Florida Gators, despite coming out to a slow start, they the final score at the end of the first quarter was just three to nothing. Uh, they are able to go on a tear and then just kind of you know held on. Uh, two late touchdowns from Tennessee, so don't take that final score necessarily indicative of how this game was played. Uh, it was all Gators. I got to look at the box score, Pierce, and I, I always am interested. The first thing I do is obviously look at you know the, the top stats and things, and I mean. I gotta say, Florida's playing good ball, but part of me thinks that they're kind of just trying to put together a Heisman campaign for Kyle Trask. Their leading rusher 
One carry for 17 yards. They don't try to run the ball. They just throw it every single time. Kyle Trask attempts 49, completes 35 of those, 433 yards and four touchdowns. Having a stellar season, but again, it's it's almost like Mullen's going, well, Dan, we're not going to win the national championship. Let's just get a Heisman winner out of this and not pack it in. They're still playing good ball. And they, you know, I, I, I hit a little bit. Obviously, that's not the thought process, but it is very interesting to me. It's like, all right, you can't come out to a slow start versus Alabama and you might as well try to make it seem like you're going to work on the running game because you're going to probably need to do a little bit of something something I don't know I'm interested to see I think it's going to be a boat race for Alabama here in Atlanta coming up in a couple weeks but maybe I'm wrong about that like I said uh, Tennessee not good had a couple of quarterbacks had to figure some stuff out not able to get it done two late scores not indicative of the final score there uh, and and I got to think the time for Jeremy Pruitt's nearing an end. Yeah, another ugly game. Um, and, and, yeah, you hit the nail on the head with Florida. They are – they look like they're trending in the wrong direction here. They, they don't look like they are are excited to play these games or come into it with a lot of motivation. They just kind of go through the motions and, and trust that Kyle Trask is going to go out there and do his thing, which he has been. He's has, having a Heisman-type season. But, but that won't matter if they lose an SC championship game. I don't understand why they're not putting the pedal to the metal and trying to beat teams. I mean, heck, when you can't even cover against a maybe the worst team in the SEC um, outside of Vandy, which ironically ironically is in their home state, uh, you know, it's 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 not going to get it done. It's just not. Their offense. I've said this all along. They're going to really struggle when, without a running game. And and here's the fact of the matter: the one team that people thought, oh well. You know, I think they're gonna, you know, they're gonna have a big test against Georgia. Now I know they lost to A and M, but that one doesn't matter. Um, you look at what Alabama's gonna be able to do against them, and they're gonna be able to get to the quarterback. And Georgia just didn't have, a, they don't have that that, uh, uh, you know, presence on the D line to really go get a sack whenever they need or or or. or you know, pressure the quarterback and make him, you know, get some happy feet back there. And that's what you need to do with Kyle Trask, especially without, without a running game. And, and I think, uh, I think this was very indicative of that. I think they're going to struggle and they, they allowed Tennessee to hang around. I know the game was, was over when it was 31 to um, 31 to seven uh, entering the fourth quarter, but they let JT Shroud go 12 of 14 they just didn't seem like they were motivated to close out that game. They were going through the motions. It's hard to it's hard to flip the switch back on uh, when you are just coasting like they are. So not good things uh, in store, in my opinion, for this Florida Gators team. They are turning in the wrong direction. All right, well, let's talk about what was the marquee matchup of the weekend. The BYU Cougars last minute decide to go to Myrtle Beach to take on the South or the South Carolina, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers. I believe that's technically Conway, uh, South Carolina. Sorry, South Carolina people, uh, but whatever. The Mullets and the Mormons. It was uh, it lived up to its billing. Pierce, I just kept thinking, well, BYU is going to put them away eventually. BYU is going to put them away eventually, but that's not the case. The Chanticleers win this one, twenty-two to seventeen. Is the final, they remain unbeaten, 10-0 on the season. BYU gets handed their first loss and, and probably, uh, you know, not probably, does move them out of playoff contention. If they were going to get it, if they if they had any shot of making a statement, it was going to have to be in this one, and that's not the case. The Chanticleers come up big at home, uh, and the Cougars, I will say this one, Pierce, there was some uh, chippiness from the Chanticleers that, you know, I'm not going to comment at all about the officiating, but, uh, you know, there was some chippiness. They probably got away with some things that I don't think the uh, Cougars were quite prepared for as they headed to uh, Myrtle Beach. But, uh, you know, 
you love to see it. You love the grittiness. So, like I said, shot to clear is 22, BYU Cougars 17, and it lived up to its billing. I loved this game. Yeah, this was a great game. Uh, it was easily the game of the week. And it's interesting, yeah, it, you know, crazy to see the the little bit of uh, physicality, maybe a little bit of a cheap shot there um, on Zach Wilson. But that's usually what BYU does. BYU is a very chippy team. If, if, if you ask a lot of people who have played BYU in the past and played it, whether that was in their conference or, or you know, just played them, they're a pretty dirty, dirty team. They get very physical with you. They're, they're grown men. A lot of them are coming back from their uh, – you know, their missions and they're, they're two or three years older than everybody else. Typically they go in and they try to try to manhandle teams. And that was not the case here. Coastal was willing to, to, to get in a rock fight. They were. And, and obviously you look at their offensive performance. It was not, not much of anything. You know, yes, they were able to run the ball on the ground. They, they, they couldn't do anything through the, through the air. And that's crazy to think that knowing that, that Coastal wasn't going to be able to put up much in the passing game, they still couldn't stop the run. Physically, this Coastal Carolina team just did stand up to BYU. And offensively, while BYU was able to put up some points, it was very clear that this team was playing this game on short notice, had very little uh, schematically going. And and that, that, that goes to show you with the box score. They, they put up some statistically some good numbers, 240 through there, 165 rush, rushing. They just couldn't put the ball in the end zone. Uh, so give credit to Coastal. Coastal, I think, jumped up to, to number 10 this week. Pretty crazy uh, to see the rise that they've had in this program, and interested to see where this uh, where the Chanticleer uh, head coach ends up going, where his next job is. Because you got to think he's got a, a big time school uh, coming and knocking here soon. Yeah, it won't be in Conway, South Carolina. That is for sure. All right, let's talk about a couple of Pac-12 games. I don't have a ton to say about them, so we're going to rifle through them kind of quick. I'll let you uh, share your thoughts, obviously. A little bit too late for the Washington Huskies. Had a late push, but they weren't able to get it done. The Stanford Cardinal win that one. 31-26 is the final in Seattle, and Washington gets handed their first loss, and uh, probably, I don't know the rankings off the top of my head, but probably moves out of uh, ranked territory, Pierce. Kudos to uh, to the Stanford Cardinal here. Uh, you know, I didn't think that they had much of anything going for the rest of the season. They've really struggled, and this was a team that I was not super high on, but thought would have a better year than most thought, especially with Davis Mills at the helm. Really hadn't come to fruition, but got to give them credit here, going on the road to uh, what was an undefeated Washington team. A top 25 win is a top 25 win. To go into another pe- person's uh, – another – Another team's home, and to, to upset them like that, got to give them credit. You look, this was a pretty even game. Uh, both were able to find some rushing success. Both found some uh, some some passing yards. Uh, they got it done through the air. Um, and, and for the most part, pretty scotch-free. The only uh, fumble was on the Cardinal side. No interceptions. It just came down to a – it was just a back-and-forth game. This was actually a fun game to watch. Uh, I, I'm sure not a lot of people tuned into this game. But it was it was back and forth. Stanford did get out to an early lead, coasted a little bit. Washington came back and made it a game. Washington just did enough to, to hang on here, uh, and and let's see if this Stanford team can build off uh, build off anything moving into next season. Because I think with Davis Mills, they've got something cooking. 
Absolutely. All right. Another Pac-12 matchup we looked at was the Oregon Ducks trying to bounce back after losing uh, the game that was formerly named the uh, Civil War. But they lose again, this time to the Cal Golden Bears. 21-17 to is the final score. Uh, things were not great for the Oregon Ducks. Uh, offensively, they're having a lot of struggles. Defensively, they were able to really limit the Cal running attack, but it's uh, not good enough. And they uh, give Cal their first win of the season in Oregon now. Uh, again, another team that's probably going to get dropped out of rankings and is now sitting at 3-2 and two on the season. So not good for Oregon. they got a lot of stuff they got to figure out there in uh, Eugene. Yeah, and, and, and I hit on this game earlier, so I'm not going to go too in-depth, but it really came down to the turnovers. Uh, the mistakes is, is they're really costing this Oregon Duck team. You know, look at last week; that was a major factor in that game. Really cost them the game. And then when they had a chance to win, albeit putting themselves behind the eight ball in this one, they fumbled on uh, inside the twenty yard line, going in and potentially getting the win. This team just needs to shore that up. They, they've actually, you know, you weren't gonna, you didn't know how they were gonna be without Herbert. It seemed like it was going to be a seamless transition. You got to like your prospects with uh, with their quarterback and and the offense moving forward. But you, you gotta you gotta figure out the mental game, the mental side of the ball, and that is the, the penalties and, and knowing where what to do with the football when people are grabbing at it. So, gotta shore that that ball control up. And and once you do that, I think you they will win games like this. It's really costing them though uh, lately. We'll see if they can get it turned around. Wouldn't be surprised to see this team coast towards the finish line. Last but not least, the Baylor Bears try as much as they can. This spread was huge, and they do keep it close against the Oklahoma Sooners, but the Sooners are able to win this one 27-14, punching their ticket to the Big 12 championship game. Like I said, a lot closer than everybody expected. Uh, Spencer Rattler got out to a little bit of a slow start, but unfortunately, Baylor just doesn't have what it takes to get it done versus Oklahoma team. Uh, if they had a little bit more uh, on offense, then maybe, maybe they would have been able to uh, best this Oklahoma team. But like I said, not good enough. Sooners get it done and are will be playing a reef, uh, match with Iowa State in the Big 12 championship game, Pierce. This was the first game in, in the last four, four or five weeks where Spencer Rattler reverted to the old Spencer Rattler. Didn't have that that big-time game that we've kind of grown accustomed to seeing and what I believe has really allowed them to step back into the Oklahoma that we, we all have known and are accustomed to. You know, yes, he was somewhat efficient, 2028, 20, only 193 yards. They really didn't put up much on the ground either. Um, I, I guess they really didn't need to in this game. They, they, it was just kind of a workmanlike game. Let's get out of here without many injuries. Uh, you know, they did get the, the – they Baylor did throw it two picks. Baylor failed to get anything going on the ground, but it's to be expected. They were trying to come from behind in this one, uh, and Oklahoma clearly coasted. Surprised that Oklahoma didn't step on Baylor's throats here, uh, but I think they have such a they, such a confidence of beating this Baylor team. Obviously, having done it twice last year, and the Baylor Bears were much better. Uh, Oklahoma wins this one. wasn't pretty. Didn't need to be. They faced the Cyclones here in the Big Twelve Championship. Absolutely. Well, that does it for our Week 14 recap. We hit on all of the major high points. Uh, there was a couple games we left out, but none of that really mattered. And now it is time to cel celebrate the individuals. Pierce, take us through the braggers of the week. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Damn! 
Boy, it was a crazy week this week. There were a lot of big time, uh, big time statistical lines, and I know I'm, I couldn't get everyone in here, so I know I, I missed a bunch. But these are the guys that stood out to me and are my braggers of the week. First and foremost, do I need to say anything more? I feel like I've put Devonte Smith on this list at least six times this year. Put him on there again. Eight receptions, 231 yards for three TDs. I think he's the best player in the country. Uh, next up, got to give a shout-out Larry Roundtree. Running back Missouri continues to do his thing. 27 carries for 185 yards, 6.9 average, and three TDs. Really allowing Bezalak to to, Bezalak to um, you know do his work his magic through the air. Uh, when you're going to get a guy who's running for 125-plus, it really opens things up uh, in the back end. Got to give it to the other side of the ball, too. The Arkansas Razorbacks had some great stat lines, too. Traylon Smith, running back, 26 of 172, uh, 26 for 172, 6.6 average and three touchdowns. And Traylon Perks, two Traylons, wide receiver for Arkansas, 10 receptions for 206 yards and one TD. Another wide out, Corey Rucker, showing the little guy some love. Corey Rucker, wide receiver from Arkansas State, nine receptions for 310 yards and four TDs. Absolutely amazing performance there. Another incredible performance. I feel like we've had a, a, a crazy stat lines for some some running backs this year. Jarek Broussard, running back Colorado, 25 carries for 301 yards with a 12-yard uh, 12 per carry average. And last but not least, a little bit of an interesting one because this guy did have three interceptions, but he is the backup coming in in his first start this season. Dennis Grossel, QB Boston College. 32 of 46 for 520 yards and four TDs did have those three picks, but they were coming from behind uh, against Virginia. Got to give a backup uh, some shout in his first shout out in his first start of the season. Dennis Grossell at Boston College. There you go. Those are our braggers of the week. Good job to all of those young men. And uh, that is, uh, oh, actually, we've got our bowl, or we've got our overreactions. Sorry about that. I almost wrapped up prior to our overreactions. Well, while we're getting our thoughts together on that, make sure you're following us on social media at Bragging Pod. That's bragging without the G on both Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and then also make sure you're subscribed to this feed. Uh, I think I've got all of the, the switching over the RSS feeds figured out. So all of the episodes should be showing up. Uh, and and I always put a little tag wherever you listen to podcasts, but now it truly is wherever you listen to podcasts because we are now on the Google Play Store as well. So if you have an Android, you know somebody who has an Android, they now can listen on that uh, platform as well. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Overcast, all of those fun things. Uh, make sure you are subscribed, though, wherever you do listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single one of our episodes. It helps us out and we love it. Uh, make sure you share this episode with somebody who is a college football junkie or just someone who wants to get to know the game better. We uh, welcome all... Uh, experience levels with the game of football along the ride. Uh, and I think that about does it, Pierce. Hey, I didn't figure mine out in five words, so why don't you go first, and then I'll do my uh, overreaction of the week. Uh, why'd you put me on the spot? Well, I mean, <laughs> hold on, I got count out of five words. I don't have anything either. No, I, I have a couple, but they're very vanilla this week. There wasn't anything that I could think of that would be crazy. Um, I, I mean, I guess my overreaction would be Bama blows out Florida. Man, um, we're simpatico. <laughs> I'm see, sitting well, here. I, I was running through it, and it was like there just wasn't much that went on this week in in ways of me getting ahead of myself. Yeah. Um, I, I wanted to think. I wanted to think about like I was trying to think about a way to fit in for five words. That's again my issue. Ohio State uh, like doesn't pursue a And M game. Um, because I don't think they need to. And, and mm-hmm. that might be a little bit of an overreaction, but I was trying to figure out a way to spin that. Uh, other than those two, I don't know what they could be. I, 
I really don't. Well, I do think Ohio State might pick up a game. I don't know if it'll be an A&M. I, I, I think what we might see is potentially like we saw in the Pac-12 earlier where you had two games who were that were canceled, so those two teams who were still able to play picked up each other. I think we could potentially see that before we see cross-conference play, um, but, but you know, we'll see there. Um, well, you know, hey, you can go with the Alabama thing because I've got something different here. You went with Alabama's going to blow them out. I've got Florida won't even score 14. I don't think that they're going to be able to move the ball versus uh, Alabama. I think that uh, I think that Alabama's defense has gotten better over time. Quietly, the story has been their offense, but I think that their defense is is, is picking it back up after uh, the embarrassing loss. Saban Saban's a defensive guy at the end of the day, and and he was embarrassed when they played Ole Miss. So I think that they're going to be ready. For Kyle Trask, I think they're going to be able to pressure him, and I don't think he's going to have all day to throw like he has been having all day to throw, and they're going to need that run game, and they don't have it. So I don't think that they even score 14 versus Alabama. Interesting, interesting. It'll be a shootout regardless. I I think one team will get to 50 um, in that game. I think it's more on the defensive side of the ball where they're going to struggle because I think Trask will get his. You know, Trask was a guy that I wanted to put on the braggers list, but he throws for 400 yards every game. So I just feel like that's getting a little redundant. Although you need to do that if you're, you know, if you're not going to be committed to running the ball. I mean, they, they just didn't even try to run the ball against Tennessee. At the same time, they just didn't put their foot on the pedal. So, their, their offense, while it's statistically still putting up good points, if you get, get Trask a little bit rattled and they have no run game to fall back on, it will be interesting to see uh, if, if, if this uh, offense does sputter out. Yeah, well, we shall see on that. Looking forward to all of the championship talk coming up over the next few weeks. We do have one more week of regular season before we get into the championship talks. We will hit you next uh, in the next couple of days with that episode. So make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss it. But for the Bragg and Rights Podcast, I'm Madison. And I'm Pierce. Stay blessed, y'all.